Sing Muses of the Very Beginning. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. This is Let's Talk About Myths, baby, and I am your host, Liv. I recently went on Instagram asking for some inspiration on what to cover for the podcast, specifically which early episodes people would like some more information on. Those episodes were not super researched comparably to what I do now, and also they were some really important stories. So in between new ones, don't worry, I'm looking at redoing them for the better. I still have loads of new content to cover, but I'm also feeling a bit worn out lately and digging into brand new stories that I've never even heard of, frankly, takes way more energy than I sometimes have lately. I've covered all the stories that have big, obvious stories attached to them and therefore are a lot easier to cover. 
I've pretty much exhausted those. Uh, so now new ones take a lot more research. Plus, I love those early stories. And like I said, I really glossed over them. And I want to do a better job. There's just so, so, so much more to these stories that I've discovered in the years since I recorded those first episodes and the sources I have now. Ugh. Plus, you all just deserve the dirty details. One of the top suggestions for early episodes that could use more was sort of the beginning of things and the Titanomachy. And for good reason. I mean, that shit's messed up. And it's so, so, so much fun. So here we are with an episode on the beginning. The first mother. She who birthed literally everything. And all the trouble that caused. Now, I would say 90% of this is brand new information because of like what I said, the sources I have now, the research ability, how much everything has changed. But before we get there, a quick announcement for the upcoming Friday episodes. This coming Friday will be the second part of the first book of the Argonautica. I hope you're all enjoying that. The English is a little stuffy, but the story itself I think will be so good that we can kind of get past that. I'm going to also be spacing it out with conversation episodes as I have so many incredible people that have spoken to me or will be speaking to me. So this Friday, Argonautica. The following week will be a conversation with author Jennifer Saint. Jenny came on to talk Phaedra last month, but this month she's talking about her upcoming book, Ariadne, which is a feminist retelling of the myth of Ariadne, that fucker Theseus, and the Minotaur. I'm very excited to be talking to Jenny, and I think you're all going to really love it. Also coming up, we have bonus content on Cassandra of AC Odyssey with Kira Jones, who specializes in video game classical reception. That'll be really fascinating. I also spoke with none other than the incredible Nikita Gill, author of Great Goddesses, a book I know so, so many of you have read and loved like me. We had an incredible chat about goddesses, the inspiration for that book, her other books, and so, so much more. That was really fun. And I also will be speaking with the author of The Wolf's Den, Elodie Harper. That's a new book coming out. It's a novel about sex workers in ancient Rome. Oh, there is so much to look forward to. And that isn't even the half of it. It is, however, enough for today. This is episode 121, The Beginning of Things, Gaia, Gee, Motherfucking Earth. Gaia, who is also called Gee, was the first real being according to Hesiod's Theogony, which is the earliest existing source we have for those things. She sprang from chaos, the nothingness that existed before Earth. Big fucking bang, and there she was. Gaia, Mother Earth. There were a couple other beings that sprang from the chaos at the same time as Gaia. Erebos, Darkness, and Nyx, Night. But all the good stuff came from Gaia. 
Maybe things would have gone differently if Gaia had chosen to go it alone, to bring life to Earth by herself. But she didn't. She got lonely, and who can blame her? When she got lonely, she created Uranos, a companion, a lover for herself, to keep her company. It's just that Uranos was a bit of a prick. But we'll get there. All on her own, Gaia created the Uria Mountains, where so many of the nymphs would spend their time, and she created Pontus, the sea. But then Gaia started having kids with Uranos. First, the original line of Titans. We will dive into these Titans further, but when it comes to Gaia, I want to make perfectly clear just how much she was the mother of everyone and everything. Hyperion was the titan god of light, the day and night, the sun and moon, everything associated with the cycle of a day. Iapetos was the titan god of the span of a life, the mortality associated with that. Chius was the titan god of intelligence. Creos was the titan god of constellations in the heavens. Mnemosyne was the titan goddess of memory, along with language and words. She was the mother of the muses. Oceanos was the titan god of the river that the ancient Greeks believed encircled their world. Oceanus and Pontus are two different beings, Pontus being the sea and Oceanus being the river. Of course, in truth, the thing they imagined to be a river, Oceanus, was indeed the ocean, and so also the sea. Phoebe was the titan goddess of intelligence alongside the titan god of the same, but she was associated with the oracle of Delphi and was the grandmother to Apollo and Artemis and therefore much more important. Rhea was the titan goddess of fertility and mountains and in a sense another Mother Earth type character. Tethys was the titan goddess of rivers and springs, but mostly when they came from within the earth. It's kind of confusing, but her name is one of my favorites. Thea was the titan goddess of sight. She was the mother of Helios, the sun, and Selene, the moon, and Eos, rosy-fingered dawn. Themis was the titan goddess of law and order, another overseer of oracles. She was the mother of the moire, the fates, and the horai, the seasons. And finally, Kronos, the king of the titan gods, the god of the destructive nature of time. How time devours, get it? All things. This is not necessarily to be confused with Kronos with the C-H and that concept of a father time style deity. That comes from Orphic mythology or cosmology, and one day I'll dive into Orphic tradition, but that time isn't now because I... Haven't gotten any real sources yet. Kronos is sort of enigmatic in that way. When it comes to time, there are two different characters, but there's also one. And uh, for now, we're talking Kronos with a C or a K, but no H, i.e. not where the word chronology comes from. These, according primarily to Hesiod, were the first generation of Titans. But even with the volume of titan children that she'd just born, Gaia wasn't finished making babies. 
She was, after all, Mother Earth. That and she and the sky, Uranus, had an awful lot of sex. Lord, did they like to fuck. So after she'd given birth to all those many first-generation titans, Gaia next had her most interesting children. She started slow with the Cyclops, named Brontes, Steropes, and Argies. These were big dudes with just the one eye. You know the ones. And sure, they were monstrous, but by comparison to what Gaia was about to give birth to, they were actually pretty damn tame. Because next, next are my favorite dudes, the Hecatonchires. If you don't remember these guys from my brief overview way, way back in the first episode of this podcast, then you're really missing out. I fucking love them. Half because their name is Hecatonchires, and it's just so fun to say, and half because they were cool as all hell. You see, the Hecatonchires were giants, they were enormous, and they had 50 heads and 100 hands each. Oh, and there were three of them, Kotos, Briarius, and Gaius. That's a total of 150 heads and 300 hands. Incredible. Bananas. What a time to be alive. Now, about as much as I love the Hecatonchires, Uranus, their father, hated the Hecatonchires. Gaia loved them too, probably as much as me, but I'm making the Hecatonchires about me because I can. Anyway, the point is here that Uranus was not a fan of these children. He found them, well monstrous. And he didn't have the same sense of whimsy that Gaia and I have, and he couldn't appreciate how cool it would be to see a giant with 50 heads and 100 hands. He also wasn't a fan of the Cyclops. He found them monstrous, too. You see, Aranos compared these children to his first set of kids, the Titans, who looked quite normal, as we would understand the term. I don't want to say they looked human because humans didn't exist yet, but I think you get the idea. Uranus was so annoyed with his monstrous progeny that he decided to have them locked away in the most convenient place he could think of. In their own fucking mother. Yeah, Uranus imprisoned the Cyclops and the Hecatonchires within Gaia herself, the very moment they were born and he set his eyes upon them. He hated them and Gaia hated him for what he did to them. Especially because, according to Hesiod, he even rejoiced in his actions in locking up his children within their own mother. Gaia, though, wasn't going to take this bullshit from Uranus. Not when she gave life to everything, when she was the mother of all. According to Hesiod's Theogony, quote, But vast Gaia groaned within, being straightened, and she made the element of grey flint and shaped a great sickle and told her plan to her dear sons, and she spoke cheering them while she was vexed in her dear heart. My children, gotten of a sinful father, if you will obey me, we should punish the vile outrage of your father, for he first thought of doing shameful things." Gaia wants to punish Uranus for what he's done, for not only not loving his children, for hating them, but for not allowing them to see the light of day, not allowing them to live their lives or exist at all. Fuck him up, she tells her children, the Titans. But the Titans are afraid of their father. He's powerful, and they're worried about the repercussions of helping their mother defeat him. 
all but Kronos. Kronos is more than happy to volunteer his help to his mother, to volunteer to do something horrible to his own father. Kronos is a, a dark soul, as this story will only make more and more clear. I won't focus too long on the next part of the story, though I do love it dearly. It's told well enough in my first episode, and we have more Gaia to discuss. But Kronos agrees to help his mother, Gaia, defeat their father. He takes the sickle she gives him, and bing, bang, boom, he sneaks up on Oranus at just the right time and castrates the fuck out of his own father. Holding his bloody bits high in his titan hand, I like to imagine Kronos laughs maniacally, he's the type, before tossing them aside with a last cackle. The bloody special parts of Uranus fly across the earth before landing in the sea near the island of Cyprus. Blood drips as they soar over land and sea, and where the blood landed, a few types of beings were born. First, my girls the Furies, the Arenaways, the kindly ones, Electo, Tisiphone, Megira... Those vengeance goddesses whose entire life purpose was to ensure those who killed their family members, among others, faced necessary retribution and punishment. Those screaming winged monstrosities of awesomeness that would go on to plague so many of mythology's most famous murderers. And also born from the blood, the race of giants. Monstrous creatures, sometimes more monstrous than others, but regardless, large and dangerous, armed and ready to cause trouble down the line. See my Gigantomachy episode. These giants, though, were also seen as the children of Gaia, because the blood fell on the earth and fertilized it. And finally, and entirely out of place here, according to Hesiod, also born of the blood splatter was the Meliae, ash tree nymphs. Yes, a very specific group of nymphs. And no, I don't have any idea why that specific type of nymph would be believed to be born of something so horrifying, but then that's Greek mythology and don't we all just love it? But what of those bloody bits themselves? Oh, well, it's only my favorite gross and amazing anecdote in all of Greek mythology. The bloody, castrated bits of Uranos fly across the land before falling into the sea just off the coast of Cyprus. A foam erupts from where the bits plunged into the depths of the sea, and from that castration foam was born the goddess of love and beauty, Aphrodite. What a story, what an origin, what a queen. I don't know how many times I can tell you guys that anecdote. It's not ending anytime soon. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury 
the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. So much happens after this, after the castration and defeat of Uranus, but that's for another episode, because next week, the Titanomachy, the fall of the Titans to the gods that will become the Olympians. But today, we are not done with Gaia. I will sing of well-founded Earth, mother of all, eldest of all beings. She feeds all creatures that are in the world and that go upon the goodly land, and all that are in the paths of the sea and all that fly. All these are fed of her store. Through you, O queen, men are blessed in their children and blessed in their harvests, and to you it belongs to give means of life to mortal men and to take it away. Happy is the man whom you delight to honor. He has all things abundantly. His fruitful land is laden with corn, his pastures are covered with cattle, and his house is filled with good things. Such men rule orderly in their cities of fair women, great riches and wealth follow them. Their sons exult with ever-fresh delight, and their daughters in flower-laden bands play and skip merrily over the soft flowers of the field. Thus is it with those whom you honor, O holy goddess, bountiful spirit. Hail, mother of the gods, wife of starry heaven, freely bestow upon me for this my song substance that cheers the heart, and now I will remember you and another song also. That was the Homeric hymn to Mother Earth to Gaia. Gaia wasn't just the mother of the sky, the titans, and some of the best monsters in town. 
With Pontus, the sea, she was also the mother of Nereus, a major sea god, and Thaumus, Phorcus, Keto, and Eurybia. That means she's Medusa's grandmother on both sides. According to one source, she was the mother of the god Silenos, all by herself. She was the mother of mountains, and according to a source, specifically the mother of Mount Etna, which was a deity in some way, in addition to being a very angry volcano even now. According to Pseudo-Hyenas, she was the mother of Daimones, the spirits that were personifications of emotions and concepts. Grief, deceit, wrath, lamentation, falsehood, oath, vengeance, intemperance, altercation, forgetfulness, sloth, fear, pride, incest, and combat. The incest one really checks out. Gaia was the mother of the giant Orion, who, according to some, was born of Gaia, but somehow also via an ox hide that Zeus, Poseidon, and Hermes all peed on. So that's a new one. She was the mother of Argos Panoptes, the hundred-eyed giant killed by Hermes while he was guarding Io for Hera. She was the mother of the giant Antaeus, a giant of ancient Libya, basically all of northern Africa other than Egypt. She was the mother of Lystragon, a giant of Italy. She was the mother of the Gaginis, giants of Mycia. She was the mother of Hylos, Damason, and Anax, giants of Lydia. She was the mother of Alpos, a giant of Sicily, and Sicius, a giant of Cilicia. She was the mother of Asius, a giant of Arcadia. Gaia was the mother of the best of them. As the earth itself, Gaia was inherently the mother of everything and everyone that sprung from the earth, including the concept of autochthons, or autochthonian people or kings. These were people who were believed to have sprung from the earth in a very specific region, which they then went on to found cities in or serve as their kings. It was a way for tribes and cities to understand their connection to the land, a way to understand themselves as being native to that region, born of the very earth of it. The idea of autochthonians is one of my favorite concepts from mythology, and one that I imagine exists in mythologies everywhere in some way. When you're trying to understand the world around you with little to no outside ideas to influence your understanding, sprung from the earth feels very natural and lovely. As with all Greek mythology, there's no hard and fast rule about anything. So while some sources talk about only Prometheus and Zeus creating humans, Pandora and the like, there are others that understand humanity to be sprung from Gaia, to be all autochthonian in some way. Or in some tellings, Prometheus's first race of humans all died out in that great deluge that I covered recently. And when the only survivors, Deucalion and Pyrrha, throw stones behind them, this next race of humans spring up, making them autochthons. I must admit, sometimes it's very fun to wade through all the variations and tiny details, learning these new bits and pieces as I go. What else can happen when you're talking hundreds and sometimes thousands of years of stories and beliefs progressing and growing? One of the most famous Autochthonian kings was the very first king of Athens, 
Erechthonius, or Erechtheus. Now, once more with feeling, there's no hard and fast rule for these stories. So, sometimes he's called Erechthonius, the first king, and sometimes he's called Erechtheus, but also sometimes Erechtheus is called the son of Erechthonius, and therefore there are sometimes two different people. Regardless, one to two of the first kings of Athens were named Erechthonius and Erechtheus, which is where one of my favorite ancient Greek buildings gets its name, the Erechtheon of Athens atop the Acropolis, with its beautiful caryatid porch, is named for one of Athens' founding kings, Erechtheus. Now, that was all I wanted to say about Erechthonius, as we're going to call this first king, that he was born of Gaia, that he was a nauticathon. I wasn't going to retell the rest of the story here. I've mentioned it briefly in a very early episode and thought I'd save it for an episode on Hephaestus. But, well, I found a passage that changed all of that, so here it goes. Sure, Erechthonius was born of Gaia, but not 100% in the sprung randomly from the earth style. You see, there was a time when Hephaestus developed a thing for Athena. He was into her. She, of course, was not into him. Athena wasn't into men or women, really. She was having none of Hephaestus's come-ons. But, well, this is Greek mythology and men win the day. So Hephaestus didn't listen to Athena when she told him she was not interested. He just kept trying and trying, and eventually Hephaestus attempted to straight-up assault Athena. But, well, I don't really want to get into the logistics of it, but essentially he tried to assault Athena and she fought him off or he just didn't try very hard or whatever because he ended up just coming on the earth by Athena's feet. Thus, he impregnated Gaia instead and poof, there was this first king of Athens, sprung from the earth, Erechthonius. Now, what's the passage that led me to tell you this story? Well, the story is told in a number of sources. It's pretty well regarded, this little anecdote. But a man named Nonus, writing very late into the 5th century CE in an epic called the Dionysiaca, described it as, quote, Hephaestus, unhappy in his wife, spilt his seed in unnatural love for Athena, and the hot foam of love fell of itself on the earth. Hot foam of love. You're fucking welcome for that. Gaia is also the mother of other autochthons like Polychthon, a king of Argos, and Triptolemus, a major figure in the Eleusinian Mysteries who was associated heavily with everyone's favorite, Persephone. She was even the mother of the first king of Plato's Atlantis, Evanor. In Ovid's Metamorphoses, Gaia was the mother of some of the tribes of Thrace, these people were born of the blood of Gigantes during the Gigantomachy. Gaia was drenched in the blood of her children as they fought with the gods, and that blood and gore gave life to the Thracians. This obviously says a lot about how the Thracians were seen by both the Greeks and the Romans, born of gore. Across varied sources, there is reference to Gaia giving birth to the tribes of ancient Libya, which is essentially, again, all of North Africa other than Egypt, and the tribes of India. As the Greeks grew and traveled across the Mediterranean and into Asia, they encountered new civilizations. As with the rest of their mythology, they used it to find ways of understanding these foreigners. So they, too, were birthed from Gaia, from Mother Earth. It adds a level of equality that's reassuring, like these people may not have spoken Greek and therefore were quote-unquote barbarians, 
but they were still born from Gaia. Gaia was the mother of animals, protector of animals in some cases, notably sending a scorpion to kill Orion, who was doing damage. That story I've told in the Scorpio Zodiac mini-myth. She was the mother of monsters, too, the mother of Echidna, who went on to be the mother of all the best and most horrifying monsters, alongside Typhon. Gaia was the mother of Python, the monstrous dragon that lived on Mount Parnassus, a monster whose death would make the mountain sacred to Apollo and where he would found the oracle. Gaia was the mother of the Colchian dragon, the creature Jason defeated with the help of Medea because you know Jason couldn't do anything on his own. Gaia was the mother of a monstrous creature called the Ophiotaurus. According to Ovid, this was a bull snake monstrosity that it was imprisoned by the river Styx in the underworld. She was the mother of the Nimian dragon, a creature who terrorized an Achaean grove. Gaia was, of course, the mother of plants. They grew from her, that much we can all see, and so she was their mother. All the plants and trees and creatures of the earth, all born of Gaia. Now, Gaia was, in all likelihood, derived from a much earlier goddess, or concept of a goddess. A mother goddess of a matriarchy, where the chief deity was a woman, not a mess like Zeus. There's a great deal of evidence that much of the region, Mediterranean north and south, long before Zeus came along as the main deity in Greece, that they worshipped a goddess exclusively, or at least primarily. Of course, now that I'm not in university, finding information on this is really quite daunting. I took a course at Concordia, Bronze Age Archaeology, and I remember learning so much about this mother-goddess concept and all these goddess figurines from the region. But finding that all again is proving difficult. It seems this mother-goddess may have come from Anatolia, where the goddess Cybele or Kibele was worshipped quite heavily as the mother of all. But so much of this comes from the Neolithic period, where we don't have written records to refer to. We have these goddess figurines, shapely women with big breasts and hips. One of the most famous of these comes from Chalachoyuk in Anatolia, modern Turkey. This was a Neolithic settlement, so we're talking like 7000 BCE, long before the Greeks were doing anything. And they were carving these intricate figurines of women. In this case, one where a woman was sitting on what is basically a throne flanked by big cats, like leopards or jaguars or something. I mean, she's a straight badass. And Gaia was understood by the Greeks to have been much older than them, in a sense, at least. They recognized her as the first in their mythology, but also in their history. The Oracle of Delphi, for instance, is believed to have been worshipped as a site devoted to a mother goddess long before Apollo took over, to the point where they're sourcing that mythologically suggests that Delphi was Gaia's before it was Apollo's. And then it was the Titan Themis's, another woman. And then, according to Aeschylus, Themis gave it up by choice, not by force, to the Titan Phoebe, who eventually passed it on to Apollo, who became its most famous patron god. But this idea that it was originally based around women is fascinating, and one that existed in their understanding not only of their mythology, but of their history. Of course, those two were inextricably linked, but the distinction here is still pretty evident. There's a section of the site of ancient Delphi, further down the mountain, that's understood to be the earliest site of the oracle, where it was originally worshipped as an oracle of a goddess. 
This is the sanctuary of Athena Pronaya, which basically means the one before. Some of the structures there date to the 6th, 7th centuries BCE. The most famous structure there, though, is later. It is the Tholos. You've seen the pictures, I'm sure. It's a perfectly round building. Only a few columns remain standing, but the absolute perfection of it, circularly and ugh, it's still pretty unbelievable. Gaia in Greece, Terra in Rome, Mother Earth, Mother Goddess. In the Greco-Roman world, it all started with her, both mythologically and historically. This went far, far beyond Greece, though. Much of the world was once a matriarchy, worshipping women as the givers of life. Earth goddesses and mother goddesses existed in all ancient mythologies of the world. And wouldn't it have been cool if Zeus and all the other men hadn't broken everything and taken control? turned into a bit of a history and archaeology lesson there at the end, something I am in no way qualified to dive into. I've done some digging, but still, it's not my specialty. I do hope to chat with people whose specialty it is, though. We shall see. As always, my specialty is Greek mythology, but especially in this case, I want to make clear that Gaia was not an anomaly. In fact, Sibeli, the Anatolian mother goddess, was probably far more widely worshipped and possibly even more important. And up to a much more recent time period than Gaia. The cult of Sibeli traveled into Greece and Rome and had a huge impact in that world. I hope to cover her more, but like so many things and so many cultures beyond Greece, I just don't know quite where to start yet. For now, Gaia was very fucking cool. Mother of the good and the bad, Earth itself a queen. Next week, by popular demand, the Titanomachy. As always, thank you all so much for listening. If you missed my book launch and wanted to watch, it's now available on my YouTube page, youtube.com slash mythsbaby. And speaking of that, I am slowly uploading all episodes of the podcast to YouTube, and in time, all of them will have captions. This is long past due. I've tried to sort out the best way to make this show accessible without relinquishing my copyright, as I do eventually want to turn this podcast into a podcast book. And now that's even more attainable, so it's a balancing act. Anyway, that's all to say, hey, I have a YouTube. But still, the best way to listen to this podcast and to support the podcast is to listen via your favorite podcast app and give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You are all the best. I'm truly so thankful I get to do this every week. It is the coolest job ever, especially episodes like this where I just kind of like get to go off on women and goddesses and badassery. <laughs> I am live and I love this shit. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. 
chef prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort style amenities, and high quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo.